You're listening to Distilling Theology. I'm Blake. And I'm Justin. And this is a podcast pairing discussions of theology and distilled spirits. And dad jokes. Amen. What's wrong with you people? You're not David. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Fatality. You know, starting a podcast about theology and distilled spirits is whiskey business. (laughs) I said that with a straight face. This is Distilling Theology. All right. Well, it is that time. So we're about to jump in. Fasten your seatbelts, ladies and gentlemen. The ride is about to begin. Please keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times. This ride stops for no reason. Welcome to episode 59 of Distilling Theology. I'm your host, Blake Courtright, joined by my co-host, the illustrious Bad Baptist Bear, Justin Van Riper. How's it going, buddy? Well, you know, it's been a while um, yeah, since things minutes. in life have happened. I don't know. Uh, no, things are great, man. Um, it's been uh, it's been a pretty reasonably well week. Mm. Um I'm glad it's the weekend. I'm enjoying my time home. Mm-hmm. Uh, excited for the Lord's Day. Amen. And uh, yeah. yeah, man. How you been? I'm good, man. It's been a good week. It's been a little long. Got some exciting developments at work, which are going to be pretty mm. awesome. And I got my birthday coming up next week. And we're recording this Saturday evening uh, ahead of the Lord's Day. So this is kind of like little little preparations and reflection uh, before we go in and worship tomorrow. What are you going to be? Uh, going to be like 13, 14 this year? Nice. Actually, I was thinking I'm going to be like 57, but you know, it depends who you ask and, and what they know. But on that note, let's uh, let's jump into our tasting tonight. And uh, you know. tasting Blake, wait, what? We have a special announcement. <laughs> You're right. We do. Mm. That's right. Coming in hot now with total quality, unconditional flavor, limited edition, irresistible swag, pre-order only drum roll oh. please distilling theology glasses have arrived here <laughs> that's right you've asked and asked and asked and it took us a minute but we wanted to make sure we did it right the distilling theology glasses the first ever set available are now available at shopdistillingtheology.com or you can go over to our website distillingtheology.com and click on glassware we'll be doing an email blast we'll be posting it on social media we're so so excited to finally be able to get these glasses in your hands these are the glencairn glasses uh and justin what are some of the some of the details about these aside from our nice little tulip and the fact they are a tulip shaped glass yes uh these are going to be coming in pairs because we highly recommend enjoying drinks with your friends uh they're going to come in a pair uh they are sandblasted they're going to be a limited edition, as you know, with batch 001 printed on them as well. Ooh, like a whiskey bottle. So get them while you can, because otherwise yeah. they will be gone forever. We will never do another batch 001. That's true. Uh, and they're going to be, what is it, $25 a glass? Or what are we doing with them this time? Uh, I know at the very least, let me pull up the, the store here. We mm-hmm. have uh, the Glencairn Pack. Uh, would normally retail for forty nine ninety five. We're gonna do it for thirty nine ninety five. <gasps> what? Bum, bum, bum. That's right. Um, this pre order yeah. is a special pre release pricing. 
uh, for this limited edition only. So be sure to hurry. Now, Justin, how long do folks have to get a hold of these glasses, to put those orders in, to let us know uh, that they would like some? Oh, yeah. So from right now, the 23rd, (laughs) wink, wink, uh, from the 23rd until March 9th (gasps) to get them. So two weeks, yeah, two weeks to hop on there, do Mm -hmm. your pre-order. At the end of the two weeks, we will then send the order out to our uh, sand blaster. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what we got to call him. He does Uh, a great job. He does a phenomenal job. Um, These uh, these have held up incredibly well Mm -hmm. and um, and they're great quality. So, um, yeah, we'll send them over to him and then he will ship them out. Um, This run will be available in the continental U.S. only. Mm -hmm. Um, If you do live outside the U.S., however, and you really, 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 really want to get one, shoot us a PM uh, on Facebook and or an email and uh, we'll see what we can do. See what we can do for you. I'm thrilled. And again, thank you guys for bearing with us uh, and, and being patient as we uh, worked to get these done. We wanted to make sure we were doing them right and uh, made, did them in the way that made the most sense. And we want to get them to you safely. So indeed, all that said, also, if you would like to get a special discount in the store, including on these glasses, Our Patreons get an exclusive discount at the Distilling Theology store. So you can join us at patreon.com slash distilling theology. And with that, you'll also get extended conversations, early release episodes, live streamed when we record, and exclusive bonus content. Right now we have two levels, $4.99 per month. And at $14.99 per month, you'll also get an exclusive Patreon mug after the first three months, plus some additional content coming uh, in the post workflow. Here's our patronage mug so yeah exciting times here at distilling theology here in the end of february 2021 yeah. it's awesome Mm-mm. it's awesome i'm excited uh people have been asking for these for the longest of times mm-hmm. and uh you know all we must wait for all good things <laughs> good things come to those who wait you know are uh, these are is the rollout of these glasses a uh a <laughs> Is it a post-millennial or an amillennial eschatology? <laughs> I guess it depends on how well they sell. <laughs> hey, no. <laughs> I think I'd say right now we're we're living in the already and not yet because they're already available for pre-order, but you can't yet get them until the pre-order is submitted. But because it's coming, we can be optimistic about it, Blake. <laughs> oh man, where else in the Society of Reformed Podcasters can you get this kind of corny dad joke humor? <laughs> I, I think we might be the only show that can pull off these puns, or the only oh. people that are goofy enough to do it. I don't know. There, it's debatable. You know, I, I, f- I feel like we're the only ones who are who take ourselves the least seriously. You know? Yeah. You know who else doesn't take himself particularly seriously? Canadian actor and superstar Ryan Reynolds, who has a connection to the marketing for our spirit tonight. Justin, what are we sipping? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Talk about segues. Um, I don't even own one. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to be drinking aviation gin. Whoa. Oh my goodness! We haven't had a gin in uh, in a hot minute, and so we're having aviation mm-hmm. gin bottled at forty two percent ABV or eighty four proof. Whoa! Uh, yeah, Blake, tell us a little bit about this gin and why it's going to be tasty in my mouth. 
Ooh, so it's a, as all gins are, it's a blend of botanicals that are suspended in a neutral gra- grain spirit, in this case for 18 <clears throat> hours in macerating tanks. Uh, on their website, they list the following botanicals in this blend. Cardamom, coriander, French lavender, anise seed, something that I can't pronounce, juniper, and two kinds of <laughs> orange peel. I'm sure I can pronounce it, but it's late and I'm tired, so we're just going to move on. Uh, that macerate is then pumped into a still where it's distilled into a gin distillate, and then that gets separated through various processes, and then that gets cut with water to your final uh, 84 proof, 42% ABV. And uh, if you ever look for aviation gin, you'll see some of the the ads with Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I don't remember whether or not they're appropriate for uh, for mixed audiences, but I do remember them being entertaining. So there it is. Uh, What do you smell right out of the gate? So the first thing I noticed was definitely the orange peel, the citrus, but also juniper. Oh, yeah. The juniper is not. So to anyone who's afraid of gin because they've had a really bad gin that's super aggressive and feels like you're getting smacked in the face with a pine tree. True experience I've had in the Adirondacks many times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This is not that smell to me. Nope. There, there is still a hint of like smoke and freshly cut grass, but it's not overbearing or over piney like the, uh, yeah. like the last or the first gin that we had together. Oh pretty, yeah. Pretty oh, piney. Yeah. The Cotswolds. Although the, the cardamom is, and, and the anise seed are really present to me on the nose. Sure. I definitely noticed that. Well, lavender too. Yeah. It's a really pleasant, like floral springy scent. Oh yeah. That, it's, uh, it's very, you know. very refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's taste it and then get into our topic for the evening. Cheers. Oh, wow. Hmm. That's very pleasant. It's mellow, too. That 42 ABV is like... Yeah. I barely noticed the alcohol. I feel it a little bit more in my chest now, like the, the warmth of it, but it's not aggressive. It's very clean. Yeah. Um... You get a, you almost get a little peppery spice and a very light smokiness, but you're still uh, very well uh, forward with the citrus, the mm-hmm. orange, the the um, cardamom. Yeah, there's a little bit of like vanilla extract going on there, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I get that lavender, like that hint of lavender mm-hmm. along the sides of the mouth, mm-hmm. and it's it's a fuller mouthfeel than I expected though. Yeah. It's it's a little bit it's a little bit more. I mean, it's oily, but not like it's yeah. not watery. No, not at all. No, yeah, this good. is very good. Hats off to the folks at Aviation and uh, yeah. Ryan Reynolds for looking pretty in front of the camera. It's only and, what uh, like twenty twenty seven dollars a bottle or something. It's not bad. These little sample bottles were not twenty seven dollars a bottle. Thank, no, no, no. Thankfully, I presume not. Uh, I'm just gonna go check the price real fast at my local liquor store where I shop most of the time. Aviation gin for a 750 milliliter bottle is twenty four ninety nine yeah. at my local shop. So there we go, man. You know, there it is. There it is. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, before we before we dive into our topic tonight, why don't we dive into some prayer? Whoa! As always, we're reading from the Valley of Vision, published by Banner of Truth. And uh, Justin, which prayer are we reading tonight? Yeah, if you guys want to turn to page 404. Not an error 404, just to be clear. (laughs) 
It was just no, right there. definitely not. Error 404. Mm-mm. Uh, turn to page 404. Uh, in your value vision, it is the seventh day evening, which it is for us right now mm. as we record this. Uh, future blessings. Mm. So if you pray with us, O Lord God, there is no blessing that we implore, but thou art able to give, hast promised to give, and hast given already to countless multitudes, all unworthy and guilty like ourselves. Make us willing to receive the supply of our need from thy bounty. To this end, convince us of sin, soften our hearts, our hard hearts, and bewail our folly, ingratitude, pride, unbelief, rebellion, corruption. Through the law, may we die to the law. Then look with wonder, submission, delight to the provision that thou hast made for the glory of thy name in the salvation of sinners. Give us a hope that makes us not ashamed a love that excites to holy obedience, a joy in thee that is our strength, a faith in thy Son who loved us and died for us. May we persevere in duty, when not fully conscious of thee, wait upon thee to keep thy way, be humble and earnest suppliants at thy feet, live continually as on the brink of eternity. Let us be at thy disposal for the duties and events of life, Submit our preferences to thy wisdom and will. Resign our enjoyments if thou should require it as our absolute proprietor and best friend. In our unworthiness and provocations, make us grateful for thy means of grace and the ordinances of religion, and teach us to profit by them more than we have done. Help us to be in the Spirit on the Lord's day, to enter upon the Sabbath mindful of its solemnities, duties, privileges, setting all things worldly aside while we worship thee. May we know the blessedness of men whose strength is in thee and in whose hearts are the highways to heaven. Amen. Amen. Thank you for leading us in prayer tonight, Justin. And now we're going to get into tonight's topic, which is something that I really haven't gotten that far into in a long time it's something that same i think when i was younger i was very very interested in Mm -hmm. um and then and it's not a not like that it's just my interest of my focus has shifted just like i used to be really into eschatology and now it's more on the back burner relative to ecclesiology or the doctrine of the church theology proper christology it's not to say one is more important than the other it's just a different focus so tonight we're going to be discussing angelology which as it sounds, is the theological systematic theology header regarding the doctrine of angels and demons. Uh, now, we should start out probably by addressing some of the cultural misconceptions of angels. I think, you know. What? Are you saying the culture doesn't have a good perception of or realistic perception of angels? You know, I think I think there's some errors there between the little tiny, uh, you know, babies <laughs> with wings floating around in heaven with harps or... You know, these like beautiful, angelic beings that are basically like perfect looking human beings with wings. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's really nice and cutesy, but it doesn't quite explain why almost every time an angel speaks to someone in the Bible, they say, fear not. Because I don't think I'd be afraid if I saw the little baby with the the harp. Yeah, no, no, certainly not. And, and some of the descriptions we get of angels are pretty uh, realistically quite horrifying if you didn't know what you were looking at. 
Um, you know, I'm actually going to go and, and read a read a section as you're prefacing mm, us here. Yeah, no, you should. Um, so yeah, it, I think it'll be I think it'll be good. I think I don't know how cultural it is mm. um, because I, I feel like culturally, I mean, we're going way back. We, it's mm-hmm. not just Western culture. I mean, we're talking going yeah. way back, way back early in the church where a lot of this imagery comes from. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can see it in even the artwork, right? Of the uh, a lot of the older Roman church and so on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go, go ahead. And- oh yeah. Well, one thing is there's to angels, just a word that's translated. It's just an English word that means messenger. It's just a mm-hmm. translation. Um, and there are different types of angelic beings that are described in the scripture. And, and one thing that I want to preface is the Bible doesn't say an awful lot about angels to us. Sure. But we see in Genesis at when Adam and Eve are kicked out of the garden, that there's a cherubim, some some manner of angel or messenger or, or angelic host that uh, guards the way to the tree of life with a with a flaming sword that turns every which way to keep mankind out from the garden. Yeah. But then there's also uh, in Isaiah's vision in the sixth chapter uh, of the book that bears his name, the description of angels called the seraphim. So I'm just going to read the beginning of Isaiah chapter six. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim. Now, the seraphim aren't men with two sets of wings that kind of float around in a cloud. I, the description's a little bit more interesting. <laughs> Each had six wings with which he covered, uh, with two he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And what do these angelic beings do? They fly around. And, and I heard R.C. Sproul in his book, The Holiness of God, talk about this and say, you know, one, one theory is they cover their face because of, they're in the immediate presence of God who is holy, and they cover their feet as a sign of their creatureliness. Because you see, like Moses with the burning bush, what does God say to him? Remove your sandals, for you are standing upon holy ground. So there's just theories about it, but I think they're they're decent ones. Uh, but one calls to the other and says, holy, 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 the whole earth is full of his glory. And verse four says, and the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called and the house was filled with smoke. So I mean, you could go through this whole record and see more, but the seraphim, that word uh, it's from Logos Bible software, uh, it's a noun and there's a seraph, which is a type of serpent, uh, or and one of the other uh, elements of this word, the root means to burn, to burn completely. So mm-hmm. these are the burning ones, and we see they're the ones that pick up the flaming coal from the altar and bring it to Isaiah. Uh, it's a little bit more metal than, <laughs> yeah, you know the the cutesy little pictures from medieval medieval uh well and if you follow it through the logical conclusion like we like when we look at the the antithesis right we look at demons Mm -hmm. yeah uh if we recognize that demons are fallen spirit beings right they're fallen Mm -hmm. angels it they wouldn't be all that scary if they were just fallen cutesy little babies with wigs (laughs) right and horns (laughs) now yeah 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 yeah. little cute babies with horns Yeah, yeah no um you gotta keep those things in perspective as well well and then then you have the other uh, some of the other angelic creatures that show up in another prophetic vision, specifically in Ezekiel chapter one. Do you want to read or do you want me to read? Uh, yeah, let me pull it up. 
I was just going to start in verse four, which is when the vision gets a little, by the way, if you haven't read these in a while, like go revisit yeah. them because yeah. you're just going to be awestruck by the, by the vision. And one thing that, that, in a you know, in a Bible class I had in college, uh, the emphasis was, you know, this is a, this is of course a, a representation of something spiritual. It's a physical impression of a spiritual reality. And so we have to bear that in mind here too. Agreed. The, we, yeah. Yeah. We, we need to recognize that angels are spiritual creatures, right? They, mm-hmm. they, even in regards to the creation, it's only spoken about very much in passing. Mm-hmm. Um, they're yeah. not mentioned in Genesis one. Um, we don't know exactly when they were created. Job talks about it. Um, mm. You know, about how, when the angels are worship, worshiping God, uh, as he's laying the foundations of the earth and stuff like that. So, um, but we do recognize they're creatures. They're just spiritual in nature. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Ezekiel starting, yeah, starting in uh, verse four, uh, of chapter one, uh, as I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the North and a great cloud with brightness around it and a fire flashing forth continually. And in the midst of the fire, as it were gleaming metal, and from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had human likeness, but each had four faces, and each of them had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the sole of a calf's foot. And they sparkled like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands. And the four, ha- uh, and the four had their faces and their wings thus. Their wings touched one another, each one of them went straight forward without turning as they went. As for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. The four had the face of a lion on the right side, the four had the face of an ox on the left side, and the four had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces, and their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each of which touched the wing of another. While two covered their bodies, and each went straight forward, wherever the spirit would go, they went without turning as they went. As for their likeness of living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches moving to and fro from the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning, and the living creatures darted to and fro like the appearance of a flash of lightning. <laughs> you know, casual. And, and it continues to go on. Oh, well, for, right. Then there's the next set of creatures, or the next set of descriptors of the wheels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, verse 15. Yeah, I'll I'll carry on a little bit here. Now, as I looked uh, looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the earth besides the living creatures, one for each of the four of them. Uh, As for the appearance of the wheels and their construction, their appearance was like a gleaming barrel. And the four had the same likeness, their appearance and construction being as if it were a wheel within a wheel. (laughs) And they went, and they went in any of their four directions without turning as they went. And the rims were tall and awesome, and the rims were all four full of eyes all around them. And then the living creatures went, and the wheels went beside them, and the living creatures rose from the earth, and the wheels rose. Wherever the spirit wanted to go, they went, and the wheels rose along with them. For the spirit of the living creatures was the wheel, was in the wheels. When those went, these went, and when these stood, those stood, these stood. And when those rose from the earth, the wheels rose along with them, for the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. I mean... <laughs> What? <laughs> that is, uh, that's pretty metal. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's a very, um, a very vivid description. Uh, yeah. that's pretty overwhelming. It's like, you yeah. know, 
and and again, what's the emphasis here is like we're getting, you know, he goes into this description of Yahweh. And at the end of this whole section, he says, uh, verse 28, such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when yeah. I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of the one speaking. And then God gives the prophetic call to Ezekiel. But he goes through this whole description of of this vision of the one that he sees on the throne and of the angelic hosts around. Like, like that's that's the prelude. Yeah. All that description of the creatures for his description. of the. But then he doesn't say, and that's what God looks like. He no. says, he doesn't say, and that was the glory of the Lord. He doesn't say that was the likeness of the glory of the Lord. He just, he like separates this like three times. He goes, that yeah. was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Well, we, we, we recognize scripturally, <laughs> right? Anyone who sees Lord in his glory just dies. Yeah. We can't, we can't even yeah. look upon that glory. Yeah. And that's and, something and live. to bear in mind about these angels, particularly we think of the seraphim back from Isaiah chapter six, like these creatures are in God's immediate presence, worshiping him and yeah. declaring his holiness day and night. They are his servants and they're specially equipped for that task where yes. we are not. But at the same time, unlike, you know, unlike the angels, though, we have salvation and this whole redemptive plan in Christ, yeah. there's a unique uh, situation. Man is in a unique position. But anyways, I know you have some other some other notes here that we can jump well, into. Well, the scripture even mentions that even the angels look upon us like in awe and wonder because of our salvation, right? Mm. Yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, we, we recognize, right, that they are spirit beings. Uh, and therefore, they're incorporeal, incorporeal, uh, as far as their actual nature. But we uh, recognize that they're capable of assuming, at least, right, which we just talked about, the appearance, uh, if not maybe even temporarily, the form of bodily organisms, um, looking at Genesis and John and other places. Mm. Um, and they can do it in such a way that they're obviously mistaken uh, as humans, right? Think of uh, the, the uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Um, and and when uh that whole that whole interaction uh which uh is not uh, not safe for work <laughs> mm, it's an nsfw story about uh, what these people are trying to do to these angels yeah um so yeah the fact yeah. that they can actually take on uh, a form in which we would actually mistaken them for humans is pretty interesting about them as far as what their capabilities mm. are right yeah um we see that in ezekiel 9 and in hebrews uh, as well, but uh, we know that a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones as we do. Right. Um, so it's kind of an interesting way to kind of try to perceive their nature, but I don't think it's something we'll ever understand insofar as on this side of gl- glory, right? Well, and also there's a distinction to be made between incarnation, right? When we get to Christology yes. and. Yes these angelic beings, these spirit beings having a appearance of physical form or having some kind of physical representation or yes. manifestation that's temporary and not a, you know, permanent state of, anyways, that's all, <laughs> Woo! but it's yes. important, right? Because that, that's effectively, you know, uh, elements of Arianism and other things that we'll, we'll jump into later, you know, where, where the sun is a creature and that's a whole different discussion, but, yes. but, it's it's interconnected um mm-hmm. 
like you'll hear, I think it's the Jehovah's Witnesses will say that Jesus is Michael the Archangel. Mm. And you'll hear a Reformed person say the exact same thing, but they mean completely different things when they say it. Uh, so yes. there's a little teaser for uh, for a future episode. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's why. Well, that's why yeah. these discussions matter, right? Uh, yeah, words have meaning, um, and it's mm. it's important we define those those meanings. Um, mm. So angels are, uh, at the very least, we recognize them as moral uh, and personal beings. Mm. Um, and and I guess if we if we consider the fact that some of them fell. Uh, they must yeah. have some sort of agency as well uh, to be able to make decisions. Did you just say free will? <laughs> I said agency, uh, <laughs> moral agent, free moral agents. Yeah, yeah. So, right. so, so they obviously have the ability to turn uh, and rebel, which many did. Um, but they are portrayed with personal attributes. They have intelligence. They have volition. They have some sort of moral nature. Um, mm. They have wisdom and in, in power and capabilities that we don't have, vastly superior to us in that regard, um, yeah. as far as what their actual physical, uh, well, not physical, like it wouldn't actually be physical, but their yeah. at their capabilities. You get where I'm going to that. Oh yeah, uh, what their actual abilities are. Mm-hmm. Um, but we recognize that they're not exhaustively uh, intelligent in the way that God is. Yeah. Um, well, and also, right? Like you were talking about the fall this fall of angels and that um, is often pulled from uh, or specifically pulled from revelation uh, chapter 12. And I'll just read mm-hmm. the nine verses kind of uh, that, that are in this passage here uh, starting in verse one and a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun with the moon under her feet and on her head, a crown of 12 stars. And she was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and cast them down to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. And she gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God to his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God, in which she was to be nourished for 1,260 days. Verse 7, Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. There was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Now, there's a lot we could say about this imagery of Israel giving birth to the Messiah and and Satan's attempts to thwart God's plan of redemption by trying to kill Christ at his birth. Like, there's a lot going on here. That's one particular interpretation which I happen to hold of this section. But for our purposes tonight, what's happening, right, is that we see Satan, the, the dragon, the leader of these fallen angels, sweeping away a third of the stars of heaven. And then further down, we see this war in heaven and we see Satan and his angels thrown down. Yeah. Well, we also see it in Jude six, um, Mm. which says in the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but actually left their proper dwelling. Mm. He has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the that great day. Mm. Um, I I think Mm. this is obviously an evidence of their, of angels, uh, moral capabilities, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
but it talks about this rebellion, right? Um, it, that seems to be at least suggesting to me that even up to a third of uh, the angels fell from heaven um, yeah. uh, in that rebellion. Um, and furthermore, uh, we, we can see that the angels who didn't participate in such, uh, such nonsense, <laughs> mm-hmm. because uh, to turn, to turn against God, I think is, is pretty nonsensical, especially when you actually know him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They're referred to as holy angels. Um, if that, you know, if that makes any difference, it's, I think it's notable. Yeah. And also, right, this is a mighty multitude. There's no, nowhere in scripture do we have an actual count. <laughs> it's not like we have a, a checklist, like, all right, there's a million angels and a third of them fell. So, cause you'll see people go down that rabbit hole of mm-hmm. like numerology in all, and then they start trying to apply that in another area. It gets weird. But like the, <laughs> the point is this imposing, vast host of heaven that we see in Deuteronomy and Chronicles in, in the book of Luke uh, and in Jeremiah 33 and verse 22, we see this massive host of heaven. And the point is not so much the numeric value in, in terms that we can know as much as there's a lot of angels that are at the hand of God. And, and remember that one angel killed wiped out you know the angel of death wiped out the egyptian firstborn during the plagues yeah. of egypt yeah you know a hundred and eighty five thousand assyrians killed by one angel so you know <laughs> yeah and we recognize right yeah. that that they're that they're organized in the ranks and legions similar to that of a massive army and yeah. so <laughs> it, you know if if the expression host of heaven, right, uh, has any sort of meaning. And we recognize that he has more than 12 legions of angels. Uh, and one angel can do that kind of destruction. Um, best not to mess <laughs> mm-hmm. with the angels. What I th- what else I think is interesting, too, um, is that angels, we don't know a whole lot about the creation, uh, but we do know um, that they are different than us, I think, in some regards. Uh, for example, yeah. we're sometimes called sons of men. Angels are never called sons of angels. Um, uh, Jesus seems to state in, in Matthew 22 um, that they don't marry mm-hmm. in the way that we get married. Um, they, they're they often referred to with masculine pronouns. Um, however, uh, they're spiritual beings. They don't procreate, so it wouldn't really seem to be meaningful to categorize them as male or female. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, yeah. some, some, some interesting traits about them. They don't appear to have any gender, uh, mm-hmm. as we, as we understand it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's right. Like I think so often we're focusing on the, like people focus on, you know, your guardian angel and all of these different ideas, but really for what purpose are the angels created? Are they there just to look out for you? And I I think that there's certainly merit to this idea that God sends his messengers to protect his children. But Mm -hmm. more significantly, I want to borrow here from John Calvin in the Institutes of the Christian Religion, book one, chapter 14. And this is in article uh, five. Sorry, I jumped a page in Logos here. 
Calvin writes, One reads here and there in Scripture that angels are celestial spirits whose ministry and service God uses to carry out all things he has decreed. That's a reference from Psalm 103, verses 20 to 21. Hence, likewise, this name has been applied to them because God employs them as intermediary messengers to manifest himself to men. The other names by which they are called have also been taken for a like reason. They are called host in Luke 2.13 because as bodyguards surround their prince, they adorn his majesty and render it conspicuous like soldiers. They are ever intent upon their leader's standard and thus are ready and able to carry out his commands. As soon as he beckons them, they gird themselves for the work or rather are already at work. Uh, the, The other prophets describe the image of God's throne so as to declare his magnificence. But Daniel especially does this when he says that a thousand thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 stood when God ascended his tribunal. That's Daniel chapter seven. Mm. Indeed, since the Lord through them wonderfully sets forth and declares the power and strength of his hand for this reason, they are called virtues in Ephesians one twenty one and first Corinthians 15, 24, because he exercises and administers his authority in the world through them. They are sometimes called principalities, sometimes powers, sometimes dominions. And finally, because in a sense the glory of God resides in them, they are for this reason called thrones in Colossians 1.16. Still, of this last, I would rather say nothing because a different interpretation fits equally well or even better. But to pass over this name, the Holy Spirit often uses those previous names to commend the dignity of the angelic ministry and And is he not reasonable to pass over without honor uh, those instruments through which God particularly shows forth the presence of his divine majesty? And Calvin goes on throughout that section to show about the different names and, and uses of angels, but the thrust is there's something heavenly about them. And we would distinguish that very sharply from the idea of divine or divinity, Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. though as Calvin points out, in the scriptures, the Holy Spirit inspired these writers to show that there is a sense in which the glory of God is uniquely present in angels. But also we know that we are made in the image of God. And so in a sense, the glory of God is uniquely present in mankind as well, particularly in those who have been regenerated and are being conformed by the Spirit into the image of Christ. Um, anyways, I just thought that was a good section that was worth worth visiting as we discuss this topic. Yeah, Absolutely. No, absolutely. And I, I think maybe, um, I don't know, I, it's, it's unique, and I think we have to be careful when studying the topic, too. Um, mm-hmm. we, we can't, um, it, it can be very tempting, right? We live in an age where people are obsessed with the supernatural, yeah. yet they don't want anything to do with God. And so where do they turn, right? Angels and demons, yeah. <laughs> ghosts, this, that, and the other thing. Um, and so we are, we are told to be careful, um, when, when studying and and seeking these things, right. Um, Deuteronomy says that the secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. So when it comes to the subject of angels, um, Mm. there's boundaries, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, same thing with demons, especially, you know, um, yeah. that's why something that that's why I think when people start dabbling in the occult, uh, mm. 
I think a lot of what people experience in the occult is very real. Uh, yeah. Some of the demonic things that they experience um, when they when you open yourself to that sort of um, spiritual interaction. Um, you know, you'll talk to people who practice witchcraft and all these things where they're actually seeing and experiencing things or actually being given knowledge and other things. The new age is a real weird thing when you look, when you look into it and start talking to some of these people. Um, mm. I have, I have no doubt that they are experiencing some, some perhaps beyond what we would consider natural things. Mm. Um, because angels and demons are real. <laughs> yeah. And, and when you go beyond what God has permitted, um, mm. in any situation, not just studying angels, but in, in any regard, uh, there's consequences to that. So, um, mm. Bear in mind as you if, if you if you are listeners are so inclined to study this topic, uh, just be cautious and be careful uh, to study uh, what the scripture permits and not mm-hmm. what um, not go dabbling off into the into the crazies too much. Right. Don't uh, end up then, like Saul going to the witch of Endor uh, recorded right. in first first Samuel 28. Right. Where I would say if you want a really good example of some some occult demonic practice in scripture and of and of. Very, very sobering biblical warning against it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a <laughs> there's a record for you. First, First Samuel yeah. twenty eight. Do you think you saw Ewoks? Hey, <laughs> Endor joke. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Luther says one thing for sure, though. He says that. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, he says that it. You know. Um, that angels are with us is very sure and that we shouldn't doubt it. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. It, it, it's important to under, it's, it's important to get a theological grasp of what they are yeah. uh, for sure, because they are with us to be sure. Um, mm-hmm. And, and they, they do have some impact in our life, right? Uh, yeah. Psalm 91, uh, he commands that the angels concerning us, guard us in all of our ways right so there are um there are benefits to studying this topic and we should we should get a grasp on on what angels are right and also these are god's unseen ministers right and mm-hmm. you know what to, to that point to luther's quote there what are they doing on behalf of us the scripture portrays the angels as the caretakers of God's providence on our behalf, which I love that phrasing there, right? And yeah. quote from, from Hebrews 1, 14, quote, ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. And in Matthew eighteen ten, Jesus says, I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven which may suggest that there are specific angels guarding specific individuals. In Hebrews 13.2 says, quote, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. So there's not sure. a ton that's given in Scripture beyond these sections, but at the same time, within that, like, what a great richness they're in for us. You know? That's it. That's it. Yep. I mean, we could jump into demonology. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I was always going to add to that quote with something here from uh, 
Calvin on the guard, the question of guardian angels, which is literally in a, uh, cause he talks about angels as protectors and helpers of believers in article six, um, from that section I referenced earlier. And then he says about this idea of guardian angels, which is a very popular thing colloquially. Right. And he says just at the start of this section, I won't read the whole thing, but he goes, but whether individual angels have been assigned to individual believers for their protection, I dare not affirm with confidence. Certainly when Daniel introduces the angel of the Persians and the angel of the Greeks, he signifies that specific angels have been appointed as guardians over kingdoms and provinces in Christ. Also, when he says that the children's angels will always behold the father's face, hints that there are certain angels to whom their safety has been committed. But from this, I do not know whether one ought to infer that each individual has the protection of his own angel. We ought to hold as a fact that the care of each one of us is not the task of one angel only, but all with one consent watch over our salvation. For it is said of all the angels together that they rejoice more over the turning of one sinner to repentance than over ninety-nine righteous men who have stood fast in righteousness. And also, yeah, I I think that's really an important point to remember in this as well is like you said, we can only go as far as the scripture tells us mm-hmm. and we want to rest in those truths. But yeah. So if angels are guardians, would that make them guardians of the galaxy? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Patriot, I wish you could see Blake, or non-Patriots, I wish you could see Blake right now. <laughs> he is expired. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> it's too late for that. No! <laughs> okay. Got him. We're back. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. All right. Oh, oh man. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna touch briefly on on fallen angels on demons just mm-hmm. because uh, I don't want to do a whole another episode on just demons. <laughs> mm, that's um, fair. But demons, demonology, right? Uh, something that, <laughs> for the most part, I would say avoid uh, studying in depth demons. Um, outside of what scripture blatantly says about them. Yeah. Um, However, uh, fallen angels are angels who have rebelled against God along with Lucifer, uh, who uh, is really one of the only other archangels mentioned. Uh, In Isaiah, we see, right, uh, how you have fallen uh, from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn, you have been cut down to earth, you who have been weakened, you who have weakened the nations, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven, I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north, and I will ascend above the height of the clouds, and I will make myself like the Most High. So, um, right, the, a, a description of Lucifer and, and his fall. Um, we, we already touched briefly on the fact that possibly up to a third of them uh, fell became what we would call now demons um and we already we already read revelation 12 in that regard um mm. and then yeah we recognize also that there's going to be 
uh, judgment on the demons, uh, as well as on those who die uh, apart from Christ, right? We recognize, we can see in Matthew 25, um, when he's talking about, uh, then he shall say unto them, uh, on the left hand, apart from me, you cursed uh, into everlasting fire, right? The lake of fire, which we recognize was prepared for the devil and his angels. Mm-hmm. So um, they're going to be judged uh, as well. And uh, we we see them throughout scripture um, yeah. interacting uh, with uh, humanity. We see them uh, mm-hmm. being um, possessing individuals, being cast out of individuals into pigs um, and so on. Um, so they're, they're real, they're present, they exist. Um, our recommendation would be, uh, stay far, far away from <laughs> right. uh, anything that involves demonic activity, uh, because yeah. it's, it's a real thing. Well, remember the, the disciples struggled with this. They, they got all confident mm-hmm. in themselves mm-hmm. and then they said, well, Lord, why can't we do this? <laughs> why yeah. couldn't we cast them out? And, and also remember that there's the guys who went to try to be, uh, you know, to ex to excise some demons, do an exorcism. And they said, well, we, you know, we, we cast you out in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. And I think it was six or seven of these Jewish exorcists got kicked out of the, by this one demon possessed guy. And they all ran out into the street naked and beaten. Like, yeah. <laughs> Or the guy who was it over in the tombs, right? Mm-hmm. Who had a legion of demons who would break. They would try to chain this guy, and every time they chained him, he would break the chain. This human being would break the chains because of the demon possession. Yeah. So there is. It's very real. It's not something that we should be afraid of as believers, but it's something we should be vigilant of, and we should not mess around with it, and we should not. Um. We should not try to face those kinds of things on our own strength because we yes. will fail. We will yes. like the like the Jewish exorcists recorded for us in in the Bible, the Book of Acts. We will fail beautifully, though, as uh, believers, mm. those who are in Christ. We don't have anything to fear of demons. Mm. Amen. Um, we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit uh, keeps us and preserves us. And there's not going to be any sort of um, I mean, if, if he is with us, right, who can stand against us? So uh, mm. certainly not the demons. Uh, the demons know who God is, and they tremble, Scripture says. They tremble. And if the Spirit is in you, uh, what are they going to do, right? They're going to tremble. Mm-hmm. So fear not. <laughs> Cheers. Mm. Amen, man. That's good stuff. Thanks for sitting down and... Chatting about angels and demons, and uh, next week... <laughs> not not Dan Brown's book. <laughs> not, no, no, nor the movie adaptation that was, uh, that was okay. It was, it's unique, it was, it's unique fiction, but it's fiction. <laughs> it is very much fiction. Uh, yeah, that's a whole, that could be, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna go there. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening to this week, episode 59. Next week, episode 60... We're going to be doing some exegesis and introducing the topic of biblical theology and kind of talking more in depth about that. We haven't talked about that for a long time since we did our intro to theology in episode like Mm -hmm. 19 or something. 
And our, uh, we're going to be tasting something that's a secret. So, you know. Oh. Stay in tuned other words, for that. We haven't decided yet. No. Well, we have. We're, we're, it's dependent yeah. on a couple of variables. So, you know, there, there's yep. that. But thanks for, uh, thanks for outing us there. Uh, anyways, <laughs> Justin, speaking of that, how can people get in touch with us uh, and, and stay up to date on yeah, all absolutely. the exciting happenings at Distilled Theology? Guys, if you can't get enough, which I'm sure you can, but if you can't, join us over on Facebook. We have a Facebook page and a Facebook group uh, that you can uh, like the page, join the group. Um, Gosh, we have several hundreds of members. Over 600. Over 600 members now Mm -hmm. uh, on the Facebook group. Check us out there. Uh, We get all kinds of good stuff, theological conversations, uh, whiskey conversations, risky conversations. Whoa. Um, (laughs) We get... uh, Lots of good memes. I mean, it's a good place to hang out uh, in by far, in a way, the most sage stage Calvinist Facebook group on mm. all of social media. Whoa. Uh, that's right. I said it and I stand by it. Come I, and I mean, find I out for too. yourself. Yeah. There's also, <laughs> uh, also a review that someone gave us, not just our own personal. That's opinion. true. That's true. Uh, also check us out on Instagram at Distilling Theology uh, for some absolutely amazing quality lit photos of books whiskey uh in all sorts of reformed theological things um yeah we already uh we already mentioned um patreon join us there so you can get the goods get the discount get the discount you can get get our faces oh um yep yep wow you'd be you'd be watching this now on on saturday rather than on uh, on Tuesday. So that's true. This is it. Saying. You're basically just a time saying. traveler and uh, <laughs> you can travel with us uh, back in time with the Avengers that are the Society of Reform Podcasters, a network of doctrinally sound podcasts from a reform perspective. The roll call is Assurance of Pardon, The Bobcast, Christ in Context, Distilling Theology, Fast God Stuff, Five Points, Church Planting Podcast, Guilt, Grace, Gratitude, Reform Brotherhood, Reformed Pilgrims, Seeker Start, Sippin' on Theology, and the Steady Anchor Podcast. Guys, That's head it. over to reformedpodcasts.com to get all of these shows. You uh, you can subscribe there and get a mega feed, if you will, of shows, a never-ending flow of content. It's very exciting. I love the work that's going on there. Uh, there's a lot of great series happening, which is pretty awesome. Also, there's a new show that's been added to the society called Reformed Resurgence, which we're really thrilled about. It's basically like, you know, exploring that whole re- young, restless, reformed movement and, uh, you know, kind of what happens after the fact. There's also sermons on there because there's a couple pastors in the network. So, you know, these are all very, very good things. And we are proud to be a part of this particular programming. We are indeed. So, folks, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Soli Deo Gloria. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Distilling Theology. Enjoy this sneak preview of the extended conversation, which is available in full exclusively at patreon.com slash distillingtheology. Oh, 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 man, going to live your best life now and, uh, you know, get that $65 million plane. Uh, A long tube for the demons. Right. That's why you need the private plane, obviously, because, you know, in in relation to our topic tonight about angels and demons, it's really imperative that you uh, 
you know, <laughs> yep, forgetting yep. The, the fact that divine imperatives uh, always follow the divine indicatives. Oh, snap. We're just, we're just going. <laughs> That's really indicative of where this podcast is at right now. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, boy. He swung and nailed it. <laughs> it's, it's imperative that you guys give us a five star review. No. I'm very impaired by the. Oh no, it's still going. It's still going. Oh man, I gotta save those for an actual episode, not just the patron overtime. Uh, you want to talk about the second commandment and why images of Christ are a violation of the second commandment? Uh, yes, I always <laughs> want to talk about that. <laughs>